Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today's episode is a good one. I actually had a lot of fun recording this episode and got into a lot of great conversations. We just kind of let it flow and and it was really good. And not that, you know, it usually doesn't, but this one, um, we had two people in studio. They're, they're business partners. It's Elliot Smith and Cole Rude Johnson. And the conversation, you know, I think it's just a testament to the dynamic of how these two work and um, we get into some great conversations with like Cole and his abundance thinking. They're involved in a business together that, you know, Cole teamed up. He he brought Elliot on board and then they ended up bringing on a friend. And uh, it's just a testament to what can truly happen um, when you align with the right partners and people in your life. And so that being said, it's a, it's a long episode. So we're going to break it up into two parts. Um, I'm not exactly sure where we'll split it, but you do not want to miss episode two because it just gets better and better and better. So hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I think we've got a really special show and I'm not even sure where this is going to go because it's a little different setup and um, I'm, I'm, we're just going to let it roll. But I'm super excited to have Elliot Smith. Um, we'll get into his background. I met him probably a year and a half, two years ago. Um, and then his business partner, Cole Rude Johnson. Yep, yep. So, guys, thanks for uh, joining us. Yeah, appreciate you having us on, man. Yeah, thanks so, for having us. Yeah, glad it worked out. Yeah, this is gonna be really cool. Um, I, I again, I didn't know exactly how this was gonna go because I, I know Elliot, I don't know Cole, um, but after having some uh, great conversations, I, I think this is gonna go really well. I'm gonna stick to the platform initially. Um, we'll just rotate. Cool. Sounds. Free. So, uh, I always ask guests four questions. So, Elliot, who's had the greatest impact on your life? Um. My grandpa, um, Mendel, he, I was adopted as a kid and, uh, at, at birth. So, but my, my mom's parents were just amazing. Uh, my grandpa was legally blind. Um, he only drove for like five years of his life. He got rides everywhere, but, um, he was just a man of faith and he was always there. He was at every baseball game. My grandma and grandpa, every baseball game, every basketball game, every struggle he was there every life hurdle um you know i was a big golfer and he would send me to these junior golf camps and you know he'd never see me golf i would call him and every time after a round i would call him you know the first time i still remember this day exactly where it was when i broke um 80 for the first time i'm on the ninth hole at some because we started on the back nine calling him like a shot 78 and he's just you could just beaming with pride um and uh he had never seen me play he saw me play one time when i was in college hmm. Um, and I had, you know, I had a lot of struggles as a teenager, um, and, uh, there was just no love better than his. I remember one time I was, I, uh, I picked him up. I said, Hey, pop, I'm going to go referee some basketball games cause I refed in high school. I'm like, you want to come? And he's like, yeah, I'll go. Cause I was going up the Valley. So we go and we're talking and I ref this game and I make this call that was a questionable call. And, and we get back in the car. I'm like, what he's like, uh, Elliot, what'd you see on that call there? Because he loves sports. He would always watch sports. Big TV, you know, glasses. And he always has binoculars at every game. And he's like, what would you see on that call there? And I said, uh, I think I think you got him. He's like, no, you blew it. <laughs> and I'm like, you're freaking blind. Yeah, that's funny. So uh, we actually, he died um, 10 years ago and uh, in 2010. And so, um, yeah, my grandma's still alive. Nanu, or as Monty calls her, Nunu. Nice. Um, and uh, we named Monty, Monty Mendel after him. So. Nice. Um, so, guys, having two different guests on the show, I mean, it might take a little longer to get through the questions, but stick with us because I, I think the the value of this story is going to be so amazing, um, it, just the way they came together. And, you know, I, I put a podcast up a couple weeks ago. I think um, it was I was quoting Russ Gray. And Russ always says, if two partners have the same strength, one of them is not needed. And these two guys um, really complement each other. And plus, their backgrounds are both just so fascinating. Cole, how old are you? 22. 22. And a half. Yeah. And I mean, in, like he's telling me his story 
you know, starting from like 18 and there's like 10 years worth of stuff. And I'm like, okay, when this happened at what age? And he's like 20. Um, so stick with us. I want to make sure we get the questions in. So we have a little background on them, but this is going to be a super valuable show. So, um, Cole, who's had the greatest impact on your life? For me, it was my mom. And that's a kind of a cliche answer, but she is a, um, she's been in real estate her whole life. So from the time I was five, six, seven, I was going to open houses, watching her work. She'd be on the couch or in the office at home until 11, 12 a.m. at night, just grinding it out, getting it done. And uh, I always saw that and whatever I was doing, my whole goal growing up was to be a college basketball player, a D1 mm -hmm. basketball player. So I was a five, six round ball of nothing in eighth grade. And I was not by any means talented at all. Um, but she was like, if you want to make it happen, um, here's what you need to do. And she found me a trainer. And I was working out with that guy four or five times a week. I started in eighth grade. Mm. That kind of instilled in me that it doesn't really matter what you want to do. There is a way to get it done uh, with consistent, um, persistent effort every single day. So that's something I learned from her. And I, it's never left me. It's uh, throughout her life she's shown. I mean, in 2008, I, I was, what, 10 around that time, 10 years old. And uh, she lost her old main business during that time, but got licensed to do short sales and grinded it out there and was working 12-hour days and got it done so and my dad's a cop and he always says like she um she lets him do his cop habit because <laughs> of how hard she works and wow. the business she's built so that's where i think i get a lot of my determination and grit from is just that show up every single day for yeah. however long it takes to get, get it done so i would definitely have to say that she's had the biggest impact on me you know it's it's so so inspiring M my mom was the same well she still is the same i mean she owns multiple businesses and just grinds and you know, you say it's cliche, but I love asking these questions because there's always a theme and it comes back to how important certain people are in our lives. It's always either a key mentor, but more often than not, it's a mom or it's a dad or it's a grandpa. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of times I get myself, which is kind of interesting. So, um, cool story, man. Your mom's, your mom's definitely a grinder. That's cool. Elliot, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Uh, connecting with people. Just leave it there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, I no, just. No, I love uh, it. Um, that was a me answer. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, no. that, that's maybe that's all that needs to be said. I, I think uh, there's so much I don't know, and there's so many people that know what I need to know, and if I can go provide value to them in some way, um, whether it's finding a deal or connecting them with somebody else or being valuable or some some way they want to then help me in return. Um, I think that has been the biggest, best thing for me is I've just met some great mentors, some great people. Um, this world is so selfish in a lot of ways. If people just figured out that we could go so far together mm. um, and just, you know, not worry about like how much that money that guy's getting or how much money, whatever, and just worry about like what the, I tell people all the time, it's not about the one deal. It's about the 10 or 20 deals down the road or the relationships that you gain or the mentorship you gain from that, that changes your world. The, the, I'm so excited um, to, to get into this episode because, you know, just again, hearing you guys talk, um, I, I already know this about you, Elliot, but hearing Cole talk and why you guys joined forces and, and just the abundance mindset. I mean, my favorite quote is the Zig Ziglar quote. You can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize that. And so I love that answer. Um, it, it's, we think so small minded yeah. and we're always looking out for what's ours. And, you know, I get it. I mean, we're going to get into some of the stories around the table too, of, you know, ways we've been beat down. And here's the thing. People are human. I'm human. I make mistakes. People have made mistakes to us. They didn't mean to, but those kind of traumas and things, they affect us long-term. And I think what happens is we end up as people going into these shells and then we're out to get what's ours. And this is, I think this is the number one differentiator of successful people versus unsuccessful is they understand that there's an abundance of money. Right now, there's an infinite capital. We were talking about this <laughs> yeah. before the podcast, and we'll get into it. Um, I got to stay on the – I'm so excited. 22%. The Fed added 22% of the money supply this year. There's infinite, baby. Yeah, well, it's crazy. You know, If you look at the statistics from 1776 to 1996, there was $5 trillion in existence. We printed $5 trillion this year. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So, anyway. We're, we're on a tangent, but I just need one of those trillion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love the answer connecting with people. It's so powerful. Um, Cole. For me, I think it's just learning to fail, like learning. It's okay to fail. Um, I remember when I was, when I was 19 and we had done, you know, three deals at the time, 
Um, and I was trying to figure out how to turn our real estate operation to a consistent, predictable business. I was about to sign a, a three-year office lease at 19, which would have put me that's committing like $300,000, $250,000. And mm. I just remember my family, thankfully, was like, yeah, I mean, what's the worst that can happen at your age? You know, you're at zero. There's no, you can go back to zero. It's already where you are. So learning that it's it's okay to fail and all my new ventures I've gotten into and just how fast I've been able to build, I think, is because there's nothing wrong with you know, I mean, I, I don't have a family or anything at my age. So I have no problem going back to zero at, at any time. Mm. So, and being okay with it. So many people are scared to start something new um, because, you know, the public perception, the friends, family, colleagues, they're going to think if they try to start something and they fail. But for me, it's it's just part of the process. So mm -hmm. that's been my biggest key thing so far. That's awesome. It's good stuff. You can just go back home to mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could go back home to mine. I could too. Yeah, my mom would take me in a minute. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, the basement's always open. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, and again, I don't want to camp on this too long. I've, I've got some notes that we can circle back to, but even when COVID happened, I mean, it came out of nowhere so fast that, you know, I was on some early podcasts and all that, and I don't think us as real estate investors or business owners, like, knew what was going to happen. And, um, you know, the old saying, um, expect the best, but prepare for the worst. Like, that's kind of me. I'm an optimist. In fact, when I applied for the Real Estate Guys Mastermind, that was one of the, they asked the question, like, what's your greatest weakness? And I think my greatest weakness is I'm an eternal optimist. Like, but that's also a great strength, right? As long as I temper that and, um, I guess move with some wisdom through that problem. But when COVID hit, it was kind of like, okay, people aren't going to pay their rent. They're, you know, layoffs, all this stuff's going to happen. And so, so back to what you're talking about, we had a lot of conversations with my kids and my kids are 20, 18 and 16. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of family time together. And what I realized through that too, you know, you were saying that you don't have a family and it's okay to go back to zero. And that's true. But also what I realized through COVID is that my, ki my kids don't give a crap. I yep. mean, if, if I lost everything, my kids would still love me and we would still have each other. And even if we had to move into an apartment, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, so we'll, we'll circle back to that, but I think this is another trend I do believe that the earlier we can, you know, go out and risk and experience failure, the better, but it's never too late. So for the audience that's out there listening, that isn't, how old are you again? 22 and a half. <laughs> I'll probably yeah. ask you like five times, but you know, for those of you that are out there right now and you're 40 years old or you're 50 years old or you're 60 years old, I mean, look at all, look at all the trends with like Colonel Sanders and KFC and all these yep. people that started when they're older. So Jeff Bezos, I mean, he sure. did, you know, when did he start? He wasn't that old or he was, wasn't that young when he started Amazon. Right. So, so I, I, I think that's wisdom. The younger, the better, but it's never too late. Yep. Cool. Absolutely. So Elliot, what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Oh man. God. <laughs> <laughs> How long is this show going to be? Six, I, seven, eight hours. Be, we got gonna, a lot of setbacks. It's going to be eight episodes, <laughs> man. Just kidding. It's not, man. We'll, we'll, I've had a lot of setbacks. Um, I really, I've struggled with addiction. Um, I growing up, I, uh, I was adopted and then I had a lot of, uh, maybe not like trauma. I had a good parents, but I had a lot of trauma. My parents getting divorced at sixth grade. Um, you know, then I got into youth path. I had some youth pastors I got really close to in those in middle school. And then they left and went to new, another church cause God called them. And then they never talked to you again. And I had mm -hmm. another youth pastor right when I was starting to struggle, right when I was 16, it was amazing. It was like a light switch clicked. Uh, I got my license and shit just went downhill. So I had another youth pastor right at that time, right when I was starting to struggle. And then, you know, we got really close, tried to, you know, and then, then, then he, God called him to another church and you never hear from him again. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of these men, that guys that let me down other than my grandpa. Um, and so then I started drinking quite a bit. Um, I drank at 16 within six months. I was drinking, I had a half gallon of Monarch vodka. I was drinking off of every day. I got a Jeez. MIP at seven thirty in the morning at, um, uh, high school, I was pouring a half gallon of Monarch into my Mountain Dew at 7:30 in the morning. Holy and the, they just—it's funny. I see the guys that, that caught me, the security guards, and uh, I talked to one guy this year, and I'm like, "I'm like, man, how did you guys catch me?" He's like, "I don't know, but we just happened to see it on the security camera, and got gotcha. you." And he's like, "Funny story about that. After you went home that day, he's, we took that bottle and drank it at work." <laughs> 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 but um, you know, then I was started doing coke by 17. Um, started getting into that, um, would take tons of drugs. I would take, you know, oxys, hydros, anything to feel different. Mm. Um, really got hooked on to Coke. Um, 
then I kind of got, kind of came clean, told people because I was about to get kicked off the golf team because I wasn't going to school. Got, got, went to rehab or inpatient, outpatient rehab. Um, got my thing turned around, made it to state championship that year because I, I hadn't played that much golf because I kept getting in trouble. And it was like the, the coolest thing. Um, you know, I made it to state with my best friend that I grew up with, and he was very straight laced, straight A student, never did anything wrong. And uh, um, we shot the same score in state. And I remember it was a 36 hole uh, district qualifier, and they only took eight guys, and there's a lot of kids. And I played the last 12 holes under par, um, like two under par to, to make it. And I had a triple right in the middle, like in the beginning of the second round, I had a triple. And I'm like, F- that fucking just put me out of it. And uh, this explains a lot after golfing with him last week. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and so I made it and it was a victory. And, it, and then my buddy and I went to state and we uh, shot the exact same scores and he's always been better than me. So it was just like a perfect ending. Mm-hmm. And then started going, started going to college and um, got a scholarship to play CC and uh, then met a guy fucking randomly in my college and started doing blow again and just uh, kind of had it off and on. I got an electrical union and started doing coke and then it just went fucking downhill pretty quick. Um, so by 21, I was in rehab, um, like a week after I turned 21. And then, then life got, uh, I didn't realize at the time that I was an alcoholic or an addict. And then, so I was just kind of moseying along. I went to move to Vancouver, live with my aunt and uncle, going outpatient, not taking it that serious. And I relapsed and almost died. And, uh, and it just snapped me out of it. And I, I was dating my now wife at the time and she broke up with me. I came back, got a job at Franz Bakery and at Lowe's, and I'm like, whoever goes full first full time, no go, and went to Franz, and I just grabbed a hold of it and made a career and made a life, and um, but yeah, that's you know that's probably one of my biggest setbacks, and then my ego gets me a lot, um, especially my marriage, and um, that's probably one thing I struggle with the most is ego and self deception and hmm. things like that, but drugs and alcohol are definitely and uh, impulsive. <laughs> what so? You you may have you may have answered this, but um, like, what's your biggest takeaway? What'd you learn from that? Because um, like, even you know, if it is ego, is it, it is it as easy as that? Just making being aware of the ego, or no? It, the problem is, I don't. I get so complacent. Um, I like, I, I even when life like right now, life's going so good. Mm-hmm. I have a beautiful son, beautiful wife, great partner, great business, great everything i mean mm-hmm. somebody look at me at 31 and say like they, they wouldn't at 60 they'd say that that's a dream life mm-hmm. and uh, i just struggle with not being okay mm-hmm. and so really trying to stay in the moment and like have people that can snap me out of things and that's the hardest part for me um and just being okay being elliot like mm-hmm. i'm very uncomfortable being elliot a lot of times mm-hmm. um and that's where i'm trying to see the most growth and so i think i overcompensate with ego but I mean, you can say you've overcome it to a certain extent, but you're always learning, right? Yeah. And I'm always trying to learn how to be better and surround myself with guys like you. And Cole, you know, he's the oldest 22-year-old I know because he's so <laughs> wise beyond his years. Um, most of my friends are in their 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have friends that are his age. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I don't really know if I... Well, now you do because a lot of my friends are your friends. Now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, I don't even know if it's something that I've overcome. I mean, I've, it's a constant life battle well i so i think just even awareness and i appreciate you being so raw because i think there's a lot of value in that um i think a lot of you know whether it's drugs or alcohol or 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 just burying your head in netflix even like yeah i think we're numb as people Mm -hmm. i I think you know i think it's i think it's really easy to get numb and i I think we all struggle with that and we all battle that demon so i i appreciate you being honest um and it not like you said, it's not necessarily something that you know we have to to win, but just being cognizant of it and yeah. um, battling through it, I think, is important. So again, just you know, for our listeners, maybe some of them have never even touched alcohol or drugs or anything else. But um, it's funny because our our backgrounds are similar in in Cole's as well. Although Elliot and I, that was many years ago, and Cole is still twenty two. Um, <laughs> It's crazy what he's done in in his years, but um, I, I I don't I think a lot of times people I, I I talk to people every day that are just numb, not because of alcohol, not because of drugs. They go to work, they they show up, they punch the clock, they come home, yeah. 
It's like Groundhog Day, right? I saw it at France yeah. when I was managing guys at France because I grabbed a hold and I've always been that guy that wants to shoot for the best. I want to go next level. What's the next level? Mm-hmm. What's the next? What's the next? So I'm always trying to figure out next. And these guys, I'd see them. They'd run these routes, and it was a bid system, so the longer you've been there, you get a better route. And so they'd go. They'd hate their life. They'd start at 1 in the morning, you know, work till 2 or 3 in the afternoon, but they get a bigger route. Instead of investing it, they go buy a bigger car or a bigger house. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they're just numb. They're just like they're like zombies going through life. But it's so easy, like you said, back with Instagram, or I'll st- get stuck on YouTube sometimes for freaking hours, even though I'm trying to learn stuff, but I'm just trying to like – so easy it, or even so cole and i play easy. xbox a couple times you yeah. know every you know a couple hours a night sometimes but it's just like we just want to turn our brains off and numb it to the world because there's so much negativity pushed at you every day mm-hmm. that it's hard to be positive i mean why doesn't the news show all the good shit that happens you know it's only negative and so it's so easy to be negative and just want to like escape and i think especially when COVID hit with all this fear and all this negativity the economy is going to crash stock market's crashing my business is going to crash all these things it's just like negative 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 you just want to you just want to go hide you just want to hide and so how do i cope with hiding like drugs and alcohol Mm. and you know sex and i think everyone has their way yeah everybody has their way and you just want to hide away from the world Mm -hmm. it's interesting a while back i put a a post up or something and you know i was just pondering this and I, i i I don't know if this is exactly how I said it, but getting caught in the past is just as bad as getting stuck in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's really like, I think learning to be present and so enjoying hard. life right now, So hard. I think is, it's hard, but I think it's so important to work on because yeah, I mean, it, I still have some friends from high school that every time we get together, all we're talking about is high school. Yep. And it's like, those were great days. Um, but if that's our best memories and that was our best period of time, like that's, that's a form that to me, it's really easy to get into depression if all I have to look forward to or think about is the past. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we spend enough time acknowledging, I think as high performers, which I'm sitting at a table with high performers, mm-hmm. obviously, um, you know, we're, 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 we're pretty good at dealing with the past and we don't spend a lot of time dwelling there. Um, <laughs> especially as, you know, the more crazy the past is, <laughs> sometimes the more we want to move away from it. But I think what we tend to do as high performers is we spend too much time in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's another, you know, part of the problem. So I appreciate you. I'll, being I'll so add honest. one thing about being the present. So I have a almost two year old and you remember those days, right? It's yeah. like, you want to pull your hair out sometimes. Yeah. I'm the old guy at the table. Yeah. My, so, my kid's as old as you. Yeah. So <laughs> you look yeah, young though. Yeah, you see, <laughs> yeah. So Monty, right. We're potty training him. And it's always off, on, I got to go, I don't got to go. It's a 20-minute freaking ordeal sometimes. And I just don't have the patience. And it's like, sometimes it's like, Elliot, you just got to sit here and just let shit happen. You know what I mean? At the end of the, no pun intended. But it's like, it's so hard because my mind is always going a million miles an hour. Like you said earlier, like, you're doing this, you're this, you're this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, you take everything away, like you said earlier, about just being in an apartment if I lost everything. And it's like, the kid, Monty, they're waiting for me to get off the phone in the room the other day. All of a sudden, I get off the phone. As soon as I get off the phone, Monty opens the door, runs in. I can't see him above the bed, and he's running, ah, dad, dad. And it's like, nothing else fucking matters. Mm-mm. And it's just like, just, but it's so hard. And I know, like, especially, like, with your phones, you know, it's just, man, just, and that's what I'm working on a lot this year mm-hmm. is trying to just, like, enjoy this time because he's never going to be 22 months or 21, three months again. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Yep. What, where, where do you live, Cole? You live in the past or the future? Uh, right now, I think more in the more in the future yeah. i've had it, come, it kind of comes in waves and goes and i think it's a skill though i think living in the present is a skill you have to build totally. over time totally. i think a lot of people are like oh i gotta live in the present they see on instagram it's like meditate be in the present and they try one day just like sitting down but i think like, like phones and news and netflix they're all kind of addictions mm-hmm. so it's like a skill a muscle you have to build over time totally it doesn't come with just yeah it's so good um the question for you what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Yeah, mine was kind of a slow build up to my, my biggest setback. So I had started in the business at 18 and uh, a bunch of patterns, you know, I didn't have anyone really that I knew my age at least that were in a similar position. So I, I didn't have a ton of people to talk to. You know, I could find older people, but it's just different when you're going through it. So I was 18, 19, I'm hiring people, getting office leases, going through it, which I'm sure we'll get into going through that whole process. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was kind of closing closing myself up more and more and more i wasn't talking to many people i wasn't letting anything out everything was building up inside i thought it was a normal way to live so like two-ish years in when i was about 20 and a half almost 21 i started having panic attacks which Mm. 
if, you know, if you're listening, you've never had one, it feels like you're dying the first time. So hmm. first one, the whole world deal, I went to the hospital and the ambulance, like thought I was having a heart attack. And uh, I got uh, put on a prescription form of a benzodiazepine, which is supposed to help with anxiety. I had like a one in a thousand adverse reaction to it where I remember I flew down to California like two weeks after I started taking it. And my, I was at a restaurant one night. And my vision went out and like I couldn't see even like from me to you right now. And I was wow. like, what is going on? So over the next couple of weeks, I stopped being able to walk. Like I started putting on like 10 pounds a week. I got up to like 250 pounds. It was like 50, wow. 40, 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. Like, it was a mess. Like, I thought I was dying of MS, ALS, every disease you, you can think of I thought I had. I was getting checked for everything, get my heart checked, my brain checked, checked for all MLA, everything. Everything came back fine. So I finally got off it, but um, it was a, it's was it been a roller coaster, kind of uh, recovering from that. And at the same time, I had separated with my current partner and had to, during that process, I feel like I was dying constantly, had to rebuild my business at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the, kind of the ultimate test of, of grit and character and, but it was also was at the same time, a great opportunity to kind of step back and rebuild everything, um, the right way, Yeah. Uh, both personally with relationships and in my business. So it's been, a. it was a, it wasn't like one day setback kind of thing, but it was, you know, over the course of a year and a half, two years that kind of boiled up to that point. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize it. Um, if you haven't been in business with a partner like that you get close yeah super close yeah, yeah. i mean it's like a marriage yeah totally. it's like you're with that person every single day whether you like it or not it's yeah. a it's art yeah it's definitely a cha- it's a challenging thing it's something i'm still learning every single day yeah um to get better at you have to invest in it which totally. i didn't really i thought i could just kind of leave it but no it's like now the partnerships we're going on trips together we're on the phone every day like we're doing more things than just business and building that relationship. Man, that's such a good, such a good um, point. You know, you said that was excruciating going through that breakup. You didn't say breakup, but yeah. I don't think people really recognize and appreciate that enough. And I know we're going to get into the partner conversation, but this is just like choosing a spouse. I mean, it's so important that yep. you choose your partner. Um, but then also you said this and I love the wisdom in it, like cultivating that relationship, right? Like if you got married uh, I won't talk to Cole yet, cause, uh, <laughs> but if you if you're married and you don't talk to your you know you don't have like the real conversations not every month not every week but like every day um, you're not going to have a healthy relationship right and that goes into business partnerships too I don't think I don't think people appreciate it enough and taking it a step further for those of you out there that are W two employees or you know work in a business with a team um, going back to being numb this is why this is so important because you spend eight hours well not during COVID but um, you spend so much time with your team, and I've said this for years, like to be in a place that where you're miserable or to be surrounded by people that you're miserable with, I don't care if it's a marriage, I don't care if it's a job, I don't care if it's a business, you gotta fix that. And if you're the problem, fix it, but if it's the environment, I mean, we're not trees, right? Get out there and make stuff happen, which I, I'm excited to get into it because you guys, you guys are making shit happen. Yeah, trying to. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Anything else on that? No, I think on the partnership side, yeah. I mean, it's even when, like, if I'm not talking to Elliot for a week or two, it kind of... It doesn't happen. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't <laughs> happen. But it just, sometimes it'll go a couple of days, and it, even that, it's like, you know, it's so easy to... Like, I think it's a good lesson for life. It's so easy to, you know, uh, get the wrong impression over a text or an email mm-hmm. or a brief interaction with someone. Um, and most people don't take the extra step to really, you know, talk to that person, see what's going on, mm-hmm. um, even with family. So I think it's a, it's a huge thing to make sure that... Totally. You know, I get a text from Elliot. It can easily come across across with the wrong tone, and I can get mad at him for a couple of days, or I can call him right then and there and say, "Hey, yeah. um, what's going on?" Yeah, cause yeah, cause I'm a. It's funny with our personalities is I can send off like, you know, shit's always the end, of, you know, the end of the world. But it's like I'm a customer service relationship guy, so shit needs to happen right now, right? And so if I send off, I can send off these texts or these emails or these calls, and I'll be like, you know, I need you to do this right now, and it comes off like, you know, very blunt. It could become off as like an asshole. And then, but Cole has been really great and learned a lot that he just responds like, hey, that kind of sounded like an asshole move. (laughs) And I'm like, I apologize. I didn't mean it like that. That's how I meant it. But he can call me out. Like I said earlier to you, I appreciate you calling me out. Hey, I took that this way. Like, let's, let's change the way that comes across. Not that he's sensitive, but if you don't tell somebody that that's not the appropriate way to treat me or talk to me, or this is how you communicate with me better, you're never going to learn. And if you... It's so, I mean, you guys are, it's so valuable. And this is not just in partner relationships, but just imagine like with your kids, if every time, you know, you're talking to Monty 
and it's a negative conversation, mm -hmm. like where does that end? And it's the same thing in businesses, even leadership. Like it's so important that every time we're not communicating, by the way, I've been accused for years of not celebrating. Um, I, you know, I, I'm so just back to the future. I'm so focus driven that we don't have time to celebrate. Celebrate what? Like yeah. <laughs> there's 15 more wins that we need ahead of us, right? But I've had to learn to step back and really um, deal with that. And I think this is such a valuable, we'll circle back to this, but this is so important, you know, in life in general too, whether it's relationships, whether it's children. When, I'm, when I was just listening to the way you guys are communicating, and you know, Elliot's so driven on f customer service, and mm -hmm. the the I'm just thinking about my kids, and I'm thinking about my wife. Carol literally told me one time. <laughs> she said, "I'm not one of your fucking employees," and I was like, "Touche." I was <laughs> like, and she's right, yeah. but but I took it a step further too. Like, not only should I be talking to my wife, my business partner, not only should I not be talking to my wife, my business partner, the way that I am right now. She was tying it back to the way that I talk to my employees. Yeah, we, Christy and I almost got divorced. Basically, basically, divorce papers were out because when I was working for Franz, seventy hours a week, she quit her job first, and I'm just go, go, you know, driven, driven, and she's more of not. So I mean, she she is, but she's very conservative, mm -hmm. and I just I think about the way I talk to her, and and she just, you know, granted she was struggling with some stuff as well, but like she just gets deflated. And it's just like, and it basically boiled over into a lot of things, but it's just like, you know, I'm in such a go mode all the time. It's like communication is like, that's my biggest thing is, you know, it's, I just need to get this out really quick instead of like understanding that that's not a fucking robot mm -hmm. that just follows orders or computer. That's a person mm -hmm. that has feelings that has, you know, struggles with health that might not be having a good day, yeah. mm -hmm. um, might have some family stuff or might, you know, might, you know, whatever. And it's, you know. I, you got to learn that. And it's so freaking hard. Cause you're just in the moment. You're like, nothing's going to stop me from my vision or my goal. Mm -hmm. And I need to just bulldog it. And it's just, you can't, which is back to like the present moment. Like we've been talking about is like, when I find myself treating people like that, it's cause I'm not in the present moment. Mm -hmm. I'm putting other things in the future is more important mm -hmm. than like hanging out with my family or my friends. And, and then I, that, you know, that's my current emotional state. I'm thinking about future business thing that mm -hmm. might go wrong. And then it puts me into that state of it's already happened. And then I'm treating people like they don't matter. And it just spirals. Yeah. Karen, and I do a lot of, you know, work around this, you know, just communication. And I, I don't know if you guys have done personality type stuff in the business. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of it, but that comes into the marriage too, you know, and a lot of it, um, it's not right or wrong, but we live so much in our head that we think that's how everybody else thinks. Right. And like my first business partner, just back to the trend, uh, you know, if, if two partners have the same strength, one of them's not needed. My first partner and I were actually amazing partners. Like we complimented each other extremely well, but we didn't know how to communicate. Um, I was, I was young. I was 24 when, well, young compared to some people, not Cole, but, um, I, I was 24 when we started our first business and I didn't know anything really about the human side of it. And I, I, you know, we just think that Again, Karen and I do a lot of work around this with parenting and our marriage and everything else. And this plays in all areas. The, the personality, to the, the reason why we're great partners, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a business or anything else, is because we are different. Mm -hmm. But we've got to learn to respect and understand that too. And if we don't, that's where the challenges come in. I love that. That's a good way to put it. One thing I told my guys at Friends, and I, I never fully grasped it, but I think it was really wise, is I would tell my guys, I just need, a, I need 100% from you for every day. But I understand sometimes that 100% is going to be different based mm -hmm. on what's going on in your life. Just give me the best you got today. Oh, that's and, and I would tell my guys that. And then, and I, I don't think I really grasped what I was saying until and, and I got even a little bit older. And even now with Cole, like, he, even when he's struggling with the health stuff, it's like, he's still, are you giving 100%? Did I give 100% of what I had today with what energy, what I had going on in my life? Did I do everything I could? That's what matters. That's good. And so it's just, it's not, you're always going to perform at a mm -hmm. you know, LeBron James level. I mean, look at some games are dropping 60, some mm -hmm. games are dropping 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so good. It's about your average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, I just never grasped it. I was, I was shitty with those guys. I think back to like. You told me one story one time about like that young dude. Yeah. Which one? The young guy that you had. Oh, yeah. I had this guy. He just, he ended up quitting on me because I was such an asshole because I'm like, it's not that fucking hard. You know, but he ended up just not showing up to work. I went to his house, and the guy, his uh, his roommate came to the door and was like, 
he quits. <laughs> he's like, he quits. yeah, he quits. third party quit. Yeah, third party quit. <laughs> but um, yeah, because I, I I managed a lot of older guys. Um, were, were you like tell him he's fired? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't fire. We were union, so I couldn't oh, okay. fire people. But I managed a lot of older guys, and so here I am at you know Cole's age managing people, youngest manager in this big company, in the sales side, and you know full of steam and ego and you know you know arrogant and uh, yeah, those guys taught me a lot. That's for sure. That's good. Anything else on that, Cole? I mean, I think the the communication side that we're hitting on it is huge. I mean, it's not like it's the biggest piece of any business mm-hmm. is communicating stuff with your team, with your partner. Um, I mean, my partner now, we have a I, like you were saying, my first partner, we we had good personality differences. Like he was a mm-hmm. sales guy, put his head down. I was going to build the systems. I was kind of I was fine locking myself in my office and and hanging out and getting it done. Um, but it just didn't work because we didn't talk to each other enough. Mm-hmm. Like I would, wouldn't see him that much. We weren't doing stuff outside of work. It was all just show up, look at each other, high five when stuff went well, and argue when stuff went bad. But now with my my current partner, I mean, we're traveling together. We're on the phone every day. We're going getting drinks or whatever, getting food, and making it a real relationship. It's been a complete game changer. Way different. Wow. That's cool. I don't I don't know why, but you just spawned a memory in my brain back in the day when um, Karen and I went to this church. Um, I remember hearing this pastor talk and he said that 90% of all broken relationships are just misunderstanding and lack of communication. And it's so powerful, man. Yeah. We just don't spend enough time, like really, you know, even in a marriage, <laughs> um, you know, she should automatically know I need X or he should automatically know that I need Y. And uh, just, it's just a breakdown in communication, man. Yeah. I mean, there's times when I get a text from, you know, Elliot Tucker, someone I work with, and I want to like just get mad, and it just takes the one extra step of figuring out why they said that, what's going on there, what can I do to help that situation. So, I think learning to take that extra step has been the biggest thing for me. Instead of just getting a text or an email blowing up right there, it's figuring out what's really going on and and acting accordingly to that. Mm-hmm. And I think perspectives are different. It's different. It's funny. I was talking to Chrissy, and I'm like, even through, I think we were talking about our struggles earlier this year. And I'm like telling her, I'm like, I think this is probably one of my best years I've ever had. Not only personally, um, business, we haven't made as much money, but we've, I use a, um, like a catapult, catapult, the catapult, like we're loading the catapult for all Mm -hmm. these great things that Mm -hmm. are coming up. And, you know, I've overcame some hurdles and like, um, got my life going and I'm like this, I think this has been my best year. And Chrissy looked at me and she's like, I think this has been the most challenging year with you, Elliot. Hmm. And, and like. The year before, I felt secure in a lot of ways, and this year, I don't, you know, I don't feel as secure. And I'm like, just sit back, and it, it kind of hit me. And it's like neither one of us is wrong, mm-hmm. but it's perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What does Chrissy need to be safe, and what do I need to grow? And so it's, um, but neither one of us would have known that if we wouldn't have had that conversation where I'm talking about that, or where we're vulnerable to say, mm-hmm. after I'm telling her about how great I feel about this year where she's like not going to take it I'm not going to take it a bad way when she tells me actually how she feels. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I actually try to hear that and be like, "Okay, shit. I've worked on all these areas. I need to work on this area." Yeah. Yeah, I think you've done a lot better like learning from it, which I think is a big thing that I'm working on too is like we all have I feel like people's lives are divided into chapters and seasons mm-hmm. and some people just don't they think they're going to be stuck in whatever like W2 they hate whatever's going on, they think they're stuck in the current situation forever, not realizing there's 13 chapters left after that one. They just yeah. never get across to turning the page. Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, for me especially, I've been in I've been in a rough season where it's like you think it's going to last forever, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't. But the only time you start moving out of that is when you really sit down, reflect, and say, what am I, what am I supposed to learn in this situation before mm-hmm. turning the page? Yeah. I think you've, from meeting you almost a year ago to now, like you've dialed that in completely. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. A lot of it's from you too. I mean, God, man, I see what you go through sometimes with the health and yeah, I mean, this kid just keeps on kicking. I like it. So, you know, um, your, your guys' business is interesting and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but as I'm, as I'm hearing this too, I'm thinking about, you know, and this isn't just an American problem. I think it's all over the world, but you know, we've leveraged technology, we've leveraged sales process training. There's, you know, education, college, process, sales, like we've dehumanized um, a lot of everything, a lot of our interactions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I got trained by one of the 
old sales trainers. Um, I went through some training with them and, you know, everything was about NLP and words and how we get to yes. And I just, I mean, I get all that at the end of the day, like the sales training and the process and stuff. But I think a lot of these challenges and problems that we're really talking about, um, it's because we've dehumanized the process. And I'm not saying that tech isn't good. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't utilize. You have to. I just put up a podcast two weeks ago, uh, the Monday podcast, and, you know, the social dilemma came out and everybody's like, I was, I was at a front row dad's event and some of the guys were concerned about how much time their kids are spending on tech. And I think that the kids of today that their parents don't let them get on tech are going to be the homeschooled kids of 10 or 15 years ago. I don't think there's anything wrong with homeschooling. And I think that's really shifted and it's more. It's definitely shifted this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a stigma. I'm talking to people that have older kids. There's not stigma. And I know a lot of kids that are homeschooled that are totally socially adept and everything else. Now that wasn't the case 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell a kid that didn't have any social interaction. And so I'm not saying that tech's bad and I'm not saying that you shouldn't let your kids be on tech. In fact, if we don't teach them how to utilize tech and marketing and, and process and all this stuff, then we just have to bring the human element back into it. That's all I'm really saying. We need to make sure that we're spending a lot of time talking about the human element because yeah. um, we're, we're, we're starting to act like robots. Yep. I, I think with like social media, you see that like there's a, there's a really positive side of it where you, you can learn business stuff. You can connect with people in similar industries and, and network and build. And there's that other side you can slip. Like when I go on my social media app, when I pull it out, it's for a good reason originally. Like I'm going on there to respond to a message I saw yeah. or to post something I think people would find beneficial. And then once I'm on there, I'm like, oh crap <laughs> an hour later i've been scrolling through yeah. all this all this crap so i think it's for me i have to like learn to set boundaries and actually learn how to use it as a tool it's yeah. like a, again it's like a skill it's not something as powerful as that like the the way it like we're talking about social dilemma the way it interacts with our brain i think it's a skill we have to build to take it out do what we have to do share with the world interact mm-hmm. with the world and then come back yeah and it's funny you brought that up about the kids so monty we're calling him a COVID baby basically so he's been like stuck at home not he doesn't have any brothers and sisters mm-hmm. he's you know just our parents or my grandparent or my parents or whatever watching him and so we hung out with some friends and their kids last week and at first he was very shy and like pl- he saw all these toys so he's just playing by himself mm-hmm. and it's like and then he got it back got in and then he started playing with them and he was just like writer you know the other kid that was his age he's more in the pool and he's playing and he's now he's back in the kids and it's or i take him to the park down here and he's very nervous to go see these other kids. And all of a sudden he gets out there and he starts playing with kids. But we're locking our kids inside right now. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and there are people who are like parents are busy. People are working two jobs or working jobs. And they don't have time. So what do they do? They put them in front, in front of a screen. And so then the kids just, that's what they interact. That's their comfort, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it's very important to have screen time. I think you can learn a lot from these shows. But like we don't let him have a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. Like th- there is, but it's it's... And this right now, these kids right now are going to struggle. The, the not opening schools, I mean, and it's politics, politics aside, like, what are we doing? We're, we're getting more reliant on only understanding the screen. And not learning how to cope with stuff. Is, again, I think that teaches yeah. a kid anytime he feels an emotion, experience, uh, whatever he doesn't like, he goes to the screen. Yeah. And I think the way to process that stuff is people. It's calling a friend, talking to a family member, going like talking it out and moving through it. But I think that I see with like, even my younger sister, anytime she... Like, gets in a state where she doesn't want to be in phone yeah exactly it's a comfort it's like a pacifier yeah. and it's like man you you hug people or like i hug my you know and it's just like you feel good that physical touch and that emotional connection with people like in person like this like i feel so energized mm-hmm. and you just don't get that you're dead when you're just sitting at home on your phone all the time yeah yeah totally i i I think the long-term effects of this are going to be huge on us as a society. Um, so, yeah. And the we could talk about this in a lot of areas, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but, you know, whether it's real estate, whether it's investing or any – I think the gap is widening. Um, I was having a, a a pod call this morning with the guys from GoBundance. Um, there's five of us that have a call every week. And when you really look at the type – so there's, there's, there's a restaurateur here in Phoenix that's really flourishing. Um, it's the Fox Group. And he's built a lot of the great local restaurants and the cheesecake factory actually bought him like a month before COVID. But part of his like, um, contract was he had to open an X amount of restaurants. And so he's opened like two, uh, two restaurants since COVID started and they had record setting openings, but then yet there's these, all these other restaurants that are failing. Right. And you look at Chick-fil-A, you look at McDonald's, you look at the lines that are outside of these 
fast food restaurants. Here, here's my point in this. The gap is widening. I don't care whether it's business. I don't care if it's real estate. I don't care if it's restaurants. The gap is going to widen. Um, these lower end restaurants are busier than ever. And the higher end restaurants are busier than ever. And the middle ground restaurants are going out of business. Mm -hmm. And when we bring it back to, this is the real reason why I said that. The long-term effects of this, like there's certain markets where people are locked down. There's yeah. no interaction. Yeah, We're literally stopping. We're removing a year or a year and a half or two years of progress out of certain people's lives and livelihood. And not only removing the progress, but taking away all the progress they made. Or the 40 past. years of progress if they built yeah. the, this family-owned yeah. restaurant and, and just gone. And I can speak to that even more. I was talking to my friends. Um, they live in Kirkland, very successful couple. They have three kids. They saw the writing on all the wall last year. They put their kid in private school because Washington's locking down. And so now there's like a line out the door. There is going to be people are not going to put their kids in public schools because they're passing these sex ed bills mm -hmm. and these things that people don't agree with. There is going to be a gap mm -hmm. that, uh, and I guarantee we listen to this podcast in 10 years, between the haves and the have-nots, not even only in business, but between kids in general. We keep talking about wanting to take care of the underprivileged. We're screwing the underprivileged. Mm -hmm. And like people like me that have money or have built a business, I'm not going to put my kid in that environment mm -hmm. where they get brainwashed to teach a certain way or certain things. So those schools are going to lose funding. They're going to get worse. Teachers aren't going to want to go there. They're going to, you know, so some of these teachers are making more money teaching classes underground mm -hmm. with people's kids than they are actually at school. Mm -hmm. And the gap is going to widen so immensely. Yep. And like, if you're listening to this, that means there's going to be opportunity. Yep. Right. But you also, if you look at it from a humanitarian side, that means there's also going to be poverty, mm -hmm. a lot of heartache, a lot of broken homes, a yep. lot of drug abuse, a lot of things. But there's also going to be opportunity because there's people that don't have grit that are going to fail, yep. not like, you know, grit like coal. And there's going to be guys like coal that are going to just take it more and get more. And I kind of get to watch it unfold from a different lens because my age group that I'm in, it's a really weird time. And for everyone, when you go through your early 20s, mm -hmm. it's a weird time. A lot of stuff's moving. So seeing my friends come out of school in this world where everything's shut down, they yeah. can't do anything. And, you know, they're going to, instead of getting into life at 21, 22, they're not going to be getting into the normal life till they're 25. Yeah. Because we're not going to be in a yeah. normal world back for a couple of years probably yeah. so it's just it's intense and like that's a great way to put it the gap is widening and everything yeah yeah well and so coming back to that personal interaction you know the lockdown and the kids you were talking about monty being locked down and not having that social interaction it's the same for adults yeah, totally. um, you were talking about just the energy here in this room right now we're 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 present i think it's early december 2020 first right? day first is day. it december yeah, one okay december one. yeah and so it's the reason why I started saying that is the so there there's pockets there's places there's literal places in the country that are locked down, and then there's places you know Cole you said this when you got here today you're not used to shaking hands right yeah, I flew in from Seattle yeah. Yeah, I was in San Diego I've been living in San Diego and even there it's locked down yeah, yeah. well and by the way I'm not here to get political yeah on, no not at all on not the all. Yeah. the COVID or any but but the reality is we're literally taking a gap we grow from each other. This back to this partner conversation. I I firmly believe, and I I don't know if it was I said it in a podcast or a post, but I think two people can accomplish a hundred times more than one can. One one plus one isn't two. One plus one is ten, or one plus one is a hundred. Mm -hmm. And we're totally in general. So bringing it back to the gap widening, the the people that are not living in fear and are not hunkered down. I'm in GoBundance and this is, and I'm not saying this to brag because I know a lot of people are hurting. There's a lot of people hurting right now. But if I talk to a hundred GoBundance guys, 99.9, .9, not an exaggeration, I'm going to put the 0.9 in there, are having their best year ever. Why? Because of that opportunity, because of buying into, you know, I say this all the time, but free shit isn't free. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we're out here figuring it out and we're grinding and, and we're going to, I don't mean grinding in a, like a hundred hour, we're, we're making stuff happen. And thinking the government actually gives a shit about you. <laughs> That's yeah. the problem. People believe the government cares about yeah. you, you know, like these politicians, it doesn't matter. Trump, Obama, mm -hmm. Biden, it's all ran by corporations. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, at the end of the day, they don't give a shit. 
Yeah, and I think right now the reason, like you're saying, ninety nine point nine percent of your people, your friends, are succeeding is because we're so starved right now for mm-hmm. connection, for interaction. The people that run successful businesses and care about people, like with our clients, like when we're calling people right now. It's like a they feel double special mm-hmm. because of what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the it's it can be the worst it's against how you look at it it can be the worst season of worst chapter or you can sit down reflect say okay what is going on right now there's money out there to be made there's Mm -hmm. opportunities that are still around how can i best maximize in this chapter it's going to end and it's going to be people like oh crap i could have used the it's a pause i I think it's like a big pause where people i think the major issue for a lot of people right now is they're having to sit down and reflect they've never done it before Mm -hmm. they can't go to work they can't go to the gym everything's slowing down they can't see their friends they have to sit on their couch and think about their life for the first time in 5 10 15 20 Mm -hmm. years and i think a lot of people who have businesses it's something we're doing every single day Mm -hmm. like i'm sitting down at least every week and reflecting on my whole life yeah so i think the more people learn to do that that they're going to take off faster and faster yeah it's so interesting too because you know a big part of that we have a skill, whatever our skill is, right? Yeah. Everybody has a skill. But the more you hone that and the more it relates back to people, and it's interesting because like talking with Elliot, Elliot and I are the personality type that can run people over because we're so focused, we're so driven. And yes, I love people. Like I'm, I used to say this all the time, like when I'm at home, I'm one of the most passive, like enjoyable people anywhere, mm-hmm. but I used to run people over left and right. Like I was a freaking bulldozer and I, I still can be that way. It's my, like my nature, but I've worked on it a lot. But then you've got people on the other side of this and it's interesting just even, and none of this is right or wrong, but it's finding a central ground, right? And so skills are important. That, that's, that's what we're transacting in. Whatever our product is, is important. But the human interaction piece is the most important part of it. We were just talking about this before the podcast and we're sitting in my office and you know what used to be an office of 21, 22 people, there's like three people that show up here every day outside of me and Dylan Burns when we're making content. There's like three people here. And those are the people that are on sales and operations and, and, and they love people. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're showing up, they're interacting, they're working together as a team. And, but then you've got certain support type skill sets that don't actually like people and they're locked in closets somewhere or their house or, or their office. And we haven't seen them for six or eight months. Now you tell me, and if any of my employees are listening to this, I'm sorry, but you tell me what employees are top of mind and what employees are going to succeed and grow and let's just say hypothetically that i had to close this uh, like this company down what employees do you think i'm going to take with me the ones that i haven't seen for six months or the ones that i see once a week and hang out with and so the human interaction piece of this is so much more important than the product or the process or the skill set and we're losing that yeah because at that point if they don't you don't see them they're just a number they're just an over you know you know overhead at some point and so when i need to cut overhead it's not it's like when people always get mad at hedge funds or when they go buy these businesses and cut employees you know they need to cut expenses well the first way to do it is uh, employees well at when they buy the company they're not people to them at that point they're just overhead yeah just numbers they're just numbers yeah and so you have to build those relationships so it's like when i look at you know when cole looks at me he's like he's not only looking out for my best interest but Monty and Chrissy and my family as well. Yeah, I mean, we live four hours away from each other, but I think we do a great job of seeing each other. What is it? At least probably every two One, months. Yeah, at least every two months. And, you have to, otherwise, it feels like this weird. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to text you every time something good happens. Like I want to be in person. I want to hug, high five. Yeah. Or we send videos because Monty loves Cole. He's like every time I get on the phone, I'm like, he's like Cole. He wants to call Cole. Nice. So we send videos to him where we do video messages That's and cool. things. So. <laughs> yeah, I think it's huge. I think we're emotional beings we remember people and experiences like if you have a sales guy locks up a deal from home it's different than if he's in the office and yeah. you can high five him and go yeah. to lunch it's just yep. it's a creates a different atmosphere yeah i was watching a video from cameron harold yesterday on facebook and he was talking about that like um you know who are you eating lunch with and he's like even in the zoom era like okay if you're and, and by the way i like i've got my belief i've i've traveled all over during covid i'm mm. i'm yep I'll go to jail. I've been to jail before. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying into this. Um, but I ain't going back. I ain't going back. <laughs> I ain't going back. <laughs> Catch me. <laughs> but, but you know, like if, if you believe that you need to stay at home still, like how do you get seen? Cause there's ways still, like you were talking about doing the video message. Like, you know, Monty wants to see, he, he thinks you are the phone. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. yeah. He yeah. wants people. So, you know, for our employees out there that are listening right now, you know, it's, even if you can't go into work, we just, so, you know, we just happen to tell everybody if you want to go into work, great. If you don't, great too. But maybe you work for a company that you can't go into work, but it, there's still ways, 
there's still ways to be seen. Mm -hmm. You know, as business owners, we're super creative. We're constantly thinking about how to get more eyeballs, how to get more relationships. I don't think the average person thinks about that. And so if you're sitting in your office and you're working from home, I would just encourage you to think about how you can get seen. Even if you can't be the, the minority of the people that are coming into my office, yeah. there's still ways to be seen and be heard, right? Yeah, I respect people that have different points of view on COVID. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a sick family member, you got, you're, you have somebody that's high risk or you got your concerns or whatever, they're, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You, But, you know, I built a freaking badass computer and got cameras and I'm doing Zoom meetings. So whenever anybody wants to do an onboarding with our call center, like it's not over phone. Even if they if they call me in on the Zoom link, I say, "Hey, I'm not doing this. We got to do it over Zoom, and I need to see your face, and you need to be on a computer because mm -hmm. I want to be in, invested into you yep. as much as you're going to invest into me. Yep. And I want this to be a long term relationship. And just a quick phone call to tell you about our service that that, that ain't doing mm -hmm. it. No. And I'm not going to be invested in you. I want to see you. I want to know your emotions. I want to know how you carry yourself. I want to know, can I make you laugh? Can I you know can I connect with you on a personal level? And if you think about Zoom enough, like it's not the be the right still the same thing but it's pretty dang close yeah. to a certain mm -hmm. extent yeah yeah i mean i see people i don't know successful even like my mom like she, she when she can't do open houses still in washington they just shut it down again so she can't mm -hmm. do open houses she can't get, her, she thrives on meeting with clients and she mm -hmm. loves that but she's still gonna do her like now she's starting to do her zoom happy hours or zoom house tours or she'll drive around all day facetime people and walk through houses so like and then there's the agents that aren't going to do that they're going to sit at home using it as excuse to not show houses not you know not be productive and mm -hmm. It's like that's the gap. It's widening. Yeah, people that thrive. actually want to be in the business and want to do it versus the people that you know. One, it's COVID is the time you have to decide if you're you know one foot in, one foot out or not because yeah. you can't be anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody that has started our call center, we first started letting people do part time callers. Everybody that was one foot in, one foot out has fallen off. Mm -hmm. The guys that are using our call center like full on are growing exponentially because they're all in. That makes and sense. And so it's like it's just you can see it on a day to day daily life. It's the guys that any way that you're half in it, like not like one foot in and one foot out, you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. Right now is the time. Like if you're listening to this and you're on the fence about starting something, this is the time to take the risk. Mm -hmm. Go, f go do it. You can use COVID as an excuse too, if you fail. Sure. Yeah, like I tried exactly. It, COVID, I tried it. COVID didn't work. You know, yeah. you know, that's a great time. If you want to go start your own side hustle, so. you know, and you're working from home, get your work done. I got plenty of buddies that are working full time, full time. Mm -hmm. Because how much time do you work in the office anyway? Maybe yeah. four to six hours. So they're working four to six hours, getting all their shit done, doing it late at night. doesn't yeah. matter. And then they're out grinding during the day. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, there's no excuse right now. None. None. That's, that it, I, I put this up a while back, but when I first decided to leave and start my first business, um, and this is how I said it. So what was the worst thing? What, what's the worst thing that would happen? I'd have to go back to the job that I was at. Like, what's the risk in that? Mm -hmm. No risk. It, there's, we, we spend so much time worried about, you know, and, and we started out talking about this earlier, just taking the risk. Yeah. But so many people are so scared of it. What's the worst thing that's, worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to learn something? Yeah. I think they're scared of the personal growth side because like, I feel like running, getting into business or side hustle, whatever it is, it forces you to change the human being in mm -hmm. such uncomfortable ways, especially those first, I'm still in that kind of initial first couple of years. And I'm constantly in this like uneasy state of change. And I don't think it's the, for some people like that I know, it's not the failure thing. It's more that they're going to have to face themselves <laughs> and overcome some parts of themselves that they do not want to look in the mirror and deal with that. Like sure. the work ethic side, they don't want they don't want to deal with that part of themselves that wants to sleep all day, like doesn't want to get up at six. They don't want to face that that side of themselves. So I think it's more the yeah, totally agree. It's yeah. like you know we had a call with our partner last week, Tucker, and it's and he explained it very well. You know, the first three months that we were really we were, we're killing on this call center, doing really good, and, and we haven't plateaued, but we need to build some foundations. And we all got to stretch ourselves a little bit. And Tucker's like, this is like the point of the business where it's you go through hips and valleys where you go, oh, it's all happy. Then it's you got to grind. And then you then you can get enough and you can hire. And then there's always plateaus. And it's like you got to be able to do that. Like especially for me, the hardest part is like I'm a instant gratification guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, you know, I do stick to things, but I have a harder time. It's always what's the next thing and the next thing. And so now you that guys got a rope tied to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he figured it out. Like, yeah. Again, I think he's facing that part of himself. I'm sure. trying so, so hard. That's the excruciating growth. That you're exactly. Talking about. It's, it's, yeah. Cause I don't want to let them down. And that's, I put roadblocks in my life. I put roadblocks. So I hire a trainer cause I need to go to the gym. I don't need a trainer, but 
I need him, so I show up every morning. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, there's peaks and valleys where it's like, oh, this is all great. Then it gets hard for a little bit, and you really have to grow. Mm-hmm. And it might not be growing monetarily, but it's growing personally, like Cole said. And that shit's hard. Yeah, it's, it's the hardest part. Which yeah. I think people that, like when I when I hit that setback we were talking about, I almost wanted to just be done in business because like forcing me to look at myself and change everything about who I was as a person. Yeah. And that's not, it's not easy to do that, especially it's not easy to do that every single year or two years or three years. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. And it's constant. You're always going to change, yeah. right? Totally. You always need to be different, better, faster, stronger. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.